The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Who was attending this church regularly, Igor, would you like to come up here? Igor Kravchenko, who many of you will recognize, so do give him a round of applause, yes. And uh, we discovered uh, just recently that there was some uh, good testimony for us to hear. And when we're singing a song like, we believe that God is able, there is a practical outworking, as it were, of what we've just been singing. And that helps our hearts to hold faith. So I want us to be encouraged with this testimony. But just to put things into perspective, uh, set the scene of of where we're going and where you were going. You were going on holiday, I think that's right, is it? Yeah, um, yeah, first of all, it's um, just before going Please. there. I just wanted to greet you, everyone. And it's nice to see you, you great people, and uh, thanks God for all of you. And yeah, coming back to this question, um, recently we were on holiday in South France and uh, just enjoying our time, enjoying time with family, praising God because we had a blessed time and really, you know, it was a, just a great time. And um, yeah, just, just, just as normal holiday for family. So one of the days you were there, you were out with the family. Uh, just explain what, what you were doing on, on the particular day in question. Yeah, just like normal day uh, when it's great weather, you, you want to go and uh, spend some time either by the seaside or by the uh, swimming pool. So we decided to go to a swimming pool. My wife was away, she, she went to buy some food and uh, I took my children. We have three, who, who knows? So myself and also there was my brother he took his children so we went together to the swimming pool this like like an area it's not wasn't just a swimming pool there were like different slides different things for children to enjoy so yeah we went there okay all together but i understand at one point you noticed that your youngest son simon was missing yes um when when we went there initially you know even though parents always instruct their children listen to us be by, by our side and everything like that. As we crossed the border, uh, you know, the, the area when we opened the gate, they all ran away, but I knew where they ran away. I, I knew they were excited about slides. And uh, so it was safe place for, for them to be. And I thought, okay, I'll come, you know, because I had to, to put in order all the shoes, uh, flip-flops and everything, and also like towels. So I thought, okay, and, and I saw them actually run into this place and I, and I was, like, I, I was having peace about them. I thought everything is fine. And, um, and yeah, when, when, I, when I came down to, to find a place when I put all towels, I, um, I started searching for Simon to put armbands uh, for him because he's just three years old. Obviously, he, he cannot swim yet. And uh, I saw my other children and my brother's children uh, near the slides, and I, and I went there to, to find Simon. But when I came there, uh, I f- realized that he, he wasn't there. And I thought maybe he's already using the slide. So he wasn't using the slide either. And um, I, I started searching for him and asked my eldest son, and I, and I asked, where, where is Simon, where, where he went? And he said, I don't know, he, he never was with us since they came in. And I thought like, wow, where he is? Because, you know, when I was going to, to pick them, I checked around the swimming pool. I didn't see him. And uh, so that's why I was certain that he is there, but he wasn't there. And I thought like, wow, where he is? So I started looking around, searching for him and uh, searching around the swimming pool. Uh, I just didn't see him there. In a swimming pool, there were not a lot of people. So it wasn't like crowd that you could miss him. So I just didn't see him. So Simon, you thought he was lost. You, you didn't know yeah, where he was. Yeah, I thought maybe he's maybe hiding somewhere or like maybe he's blocked by other people, you sure. know, things like that. Sure. So yeah, just, I just was continuing searching for him. So where did you find Simon? Yeah, then immediately uh, I, I, I saw one, one man uh, going near the pool and then he like suddenly, like his reaction, I, I, I remember I, 
I got his reaction and like something happened and he started running towards the swimming pool uh, where, where like um, there were stairs to, to the swimming pool. The, it, it wasn't like a very deep place, but you know, for maybe this, but obviously for, for a little ch a child, it's a, it's a deep place. And I thought like, oh, there could be Simon maybe, you know, struggling to, um, to swim or something, you know, to, to get out from there. And I ran towards this place and we kind of came together with, with that man. And uh, he was already found in a swimming pool unconscious. So he was underwater. Uh, that's why I didn't see him when I was searching around. Uh, so just a second. So he was in the swimming pool, he's underwater, and you found him and he's unconscious. Yeah. And how long had he been there for? So, uh, roughly, when I, when I found out later on when everything was happening, so he went straight away to the swimming pool instead of going uh, to the slides with children. So, and then at a couple of minutes, me searching for him. So I, I think he was at least a couple of minutes, two, three minutes there already. In the water? Yeah, in the water. Okay. Yeah. So you found him face down in the water? Yeah. What happened next? When he was picked up, I just, it was so difficult moment because I see him. Excuse me, speak here. Yeah, he, he wasn't breathing obviously because he was underwater. It's okay. Oh, sorry about that. It's okay. It's interesting, isn't it? You can see the scene this is your youngest child who's now floating in the water and your worst fears are there and he's been there for several minutes. So this isn't just like it's just happened and you're pulling him out. Yeah, so he was unconscious and I just, he was unconscious and um, when he was picked up, I just see no sign of life in him. He, his skin was turning blue, like blue, green, blue color and uh, he was very cold and um, his hands and legs were kind of, you know, becoming hard, not, not, not flexible. So I thought like, wow, you know, what's happened to him? And uh, did you think he had, he was dead at this point? When, when I took him on, on my, on my hands, I, I, you know, I started to, to do first aid, which I'm not first aider, but that's what I thought to do. So I put him, uh, his head down, I thought, you know, and I just, when I was uh, holding him, I, I could see that nothing helps and uh, he's just totally cold and like, you know, his muscles become like already hardened. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I looked at his face, his lips like were becoming like, you know, bigger um, and uh, his eyes as well like rolled, rolled back. And uh, I, I thought like, wow, you know, I, I started like, uh, shouting for help, like help, you know, who, first aid and everything like that. For some reason, uh, there was no first, um, first um, lifeguard there, even though it had to be there. This person, I don't know why the re what, what was the reason for that. So he wasn't there. And uh, there was only one person, random person, who knew how to do first aid. Uh, he came to us, he started doing different things uh, CPR, heart yeah. massage, um, breathing mouse to mouse, and doing many different things. So he, he was kind of experienced uh, first aider. What I later find out that he had problems with his uh, little child, respiratory problems, so he, he did many, many times these things. Okay. So he knew how to do it. But in spite of that, uh, when he was doing all the things, uh, Simon still was unconscious, no sign of life. And, uh, and, and, I just, and I just thought, God, is it, you know, uh, when they put him on a, on a floor, I just came down, kneeled, kneeled down to, to him as well, and I was just praying for him there. And I said, I was just praying. I knew, uh, I, I thought, God, is it the last day when I saw him alive? And it was so difficult moment, really, um, when you, when you see your child and when you, when you realize that he is dead because his heart wasn't beating already, so he was just like no sign of life at all. Just like a laying body of, of a little child. And um, yes, I was, I was crying out to God there. I was just praying to God by his side. 
But also I, um, I realized that, not, not, not realized, um, I know that, you know, sometimes uh, hard times come even to uh, families who believe in God and, uh, you know, some, some day comes when, when God gives life and God takes Thanks away life. Mm-hmm. So I knew that God doesn't have to, to, to put life yeah. to him, to, to let him live, but I was just praying and I said, God, I remember I was telling to him, to God, I said, God, I know he is yours, yeah, and you, you can take him, but I just asked for his mercy. I said, please don't take him now. Just let him live. And what happened? And um, he started, he suddenly started coughing and he vomited a lot of liquid. And I was there, I said, God, thank you that you, you, you put back life to him. But in the meantime, I was, I, I was realizing that, you know, in total, where, when this person was doing all the CPI, it probably took another couple of minutes before he started coughing and vomited this liquid. So in total, there probably about five minutes he was without oxygen, without breathing. So I knew that uh, for brain, it could be imminent damages. Amen. And, um, and, I was, and, I, and I was continuing praying there. I said, God, thanks for bringing him back. But then I was praying for his mercy to, to restore his health. And I was praying that, God, please restore his health to the same condition as it, as it was before everything happened. And uh, at, that, at that moment, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know what was happening, but uh, Simon gave already good signs. He, he like said, he, he opened his eyes and he said, I want to go to mommy. I said, Simon, don't worry, mommy, mommy going to come soon. My wife wasn't aware of all this happening. So, and I, I even didn't know what to tell her. And I, I didn't have even any, any words, I just had words to God. And when I was crying out to him, and praying for him. And uh, when Simon started breathing and everything, I called my wife very quickly and I, and I said, come quickly, pray for Simon. He's in a very critical condition. Just pray for him and come quickly. We are in, we are in a swimming pool. And, and that's it. And, and, I, um, and I came back to, to continue praying, asked my brother to pray there. Then uh, our children, um, all the children, um, realized that something happening, but they didn't see him unconscious. They already saw him conscious, but in a very critical state and asked them to pray as well. And uh, there was, my brother saw another lady as well. We don't know her. Uh, she was praying there as well, just standing. So there were quite a few people praying for, for Simon. And um, and how is Simon now? He, thanks God, when he was taken to hospital to this, okay. uh, in, in France, they call it reanimation. So it's like urgent, urgent unit, yes. urgent care. Um, he was, he still wasn't, he still was breathing with this um, oxygen mask and everything helping. But they also took um, x-rays, everything to check for him and uh, cutting the story short. God has recovered him absolutely to the point, to the to the same state as he was before. So he's everything with God. Thanks, God. Yeah. Amen. And uh, in in just one day, one and a half days, Simon was already released, uh, discharged from the hospital, feeling absolutely great, feeling well, running wanting to play different games and everything. So the same as he was before. And uh, this was a double miracle for us. First of all, that he is alive and he is healthy, absolutely healthy. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That is uh, an amazing testimony. Because if you just put yourself in that situation, and I guess as a, a dad, are you allowed to take the boys swimming again? Or is that sort of, you know, <laughs> it's just like, wow, the emotional ups and downs. And yet God answered prayer and not only answered prayer to bring him back to life, has brought him back to who he was before. Simon is just down here. He's just down there. He's coloring. He's, uh, you know, there. 
folks, let's, let's stand and worship because God is good. And he deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. You can give Simon a hug later. You can give uh, Igor and Natalia a hug. They need it because they, just, they, they need that strengthening. But let's bless God for what he has done. His faithfulness to us to answer prayers. Amen. This is a great time, great week, as you've heard. We've got lots of things going on this week and people coming. And uh, it's just going to be an exciting time. I really want to encourage you to get stuck into prayer. I'm speaking very quickly because I see the time's going. I've got lots of things to get through. There's a guy here that you've never met before. More than one. More than one. Firstly, there's a guy here called Earl Blackman who's sitting right at the back trying to remain hidden under his hat. Earl, just give us a wave. Okay, he's a friend of mine, and folks, this is the shot. He has just been employed by us to actually lead our children's work. So, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lock the doors and make sure it doesn't get out, okay? Because it's... I, folks, do greet Earl afterwards. We, we've got plenty of time to get to know him. But I uh, just want to say that so that we've put that in perspective. There's another person here that you have never met before. This is Roger. Roger, I'm going to ask you to come up here because I'm trying to move on with time, you know, to make sure that you have plenty of time. Roger comes all the way from Florida. He has actually got a very clear accent. So that's uh, started straight off there. You can understand him. Roger uh, is from Titusville in uh, Florida, and he uh, pastors a church called Hope Church there. And look, I'm not going to carry on with lots of things. He's here for the week. I want you to meet him afterwards, but Roger's going to share with us this morning. So will you greet him in Jesus' name? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be with you. I am a uh, mixed bag. Um, we are, you know, the, the America is a melting pot. But I had a, the closest person next to my, other than my mother in my life was English my grandmother, and so I have roots here, but I feel like at home in this church, this, I feel like, like hope is here. I mean, it's just the same. I, I feel the, the worship, the freedom, the uh, sense of family. Uh, Pastor Jonathan and Helen have treated me like royalty, and uh, it's just been a, it's just been a wonderful time, and uh, so I, I just am so glad to be here. We are glad to be here as a team because we believe God has something great and is doing something um, in, in the world today. And be encouraged. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that are against us. And we live in a world that's hostile, a culture that's hostile to what we believe and is, is really out to destroy the, the work of God. And yet, the scriptures are very clear that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we have the life of God inside of us. And it's, it's more than just, it's not puny. God is not puny. He's not small. He's not wringing his hands over the earth trying to figure out what he's going to do with us in these last days. He is raising up an army of revival carriers that are walking in and out of, really walking with him, and then out of his presence is releasing that to a dying world. Well, there's an old song we used to sing. Uh, you might remember it. It's just an old chorus we used to sing. It says, I got a river of life flowing out of me. And we got away from singing that, but I, I always bring it back. And, and our, our worship team, they all look at me like, come on, that's so old. But, uh, but, but it's true because it says, I got a river of life flowing out of me. It, it, make, it, it opens prison doors. It makes the blind to see. Uh, you know, it, there's life in us, and we are carriers of that life. And um, so, so that's what we're here to do is help you to, to see that. And in the week of prayer, the ministry that we bring to you this week is, is to center you around the, the, the presence of the Lord and to see that out of his presence, great things can happen. For you personally to be encouraged to press in and to go after God in a, in a big and powerful way. Uh, he's, doing, he's doing some incredible stuff. The other thing is that I'm going to do today, I, I feel in my heart, uh, Pastor Jonathan had gave me a little freedom at the end. Um, I have a, a, a team, intercessory team that prays for me. These these older ladies that can just they can get a hold of God, and then they get a hold of me, and somehow they just pull the two together. And when they're praying, so before I left, I had this team praying, and before I left, one of my ladies, Carol, she's she's totally blind. 
uh, physically. We prayed for her so many times. We've laid hands. We've believed. We spit and sputtered and declared and did everything you can do. And uh, she has never, she's not seen, but she sees in the spirit. She's a seer. And sometimes I say to her, if God ever healed your eyes, you might lose what you're seeing in the, in the spiritual realm. So she came to me. She said, I don't know why, but I've seen all these pictures over your trip. And then she said, I see an empty hospital bed in front of you. And she said, I see an empty hospital bed in front of you. And, and she says, and I know that God is saying, I want to bring healing. And so at the end of service today, we want to pray specifically over, over needs, physical needs over, for healing today. Because I just believe based on that, that God, somebody here, God wants to touch. And, and or maybe you have someone you can stand in for that God wants to touch and heal. Last Sunday in our service, we had healings taking place. Um, it had nothing really to do with me. We have regular communion every week. And while we were receiving the communion, everyone comes forward. They took the, the communion elements and then they went off to the sides. We had teams praying for people on either side. And, and I mean, I was here and somebody shout over here and they were laughing over here and all this stuff was going on because God was touching people. And we know he's doing that today in the, in the world. He's proving himself to us. And God wants to do the same for you. So it's a pleasure to be here with you. I hope my accent isn't too bad. Uh, I, I have some friends. Uh, I have a very good friend who was kind of an apostolic leader in my life from Manchester. And he always comes. We go back and forth. He told me I'd botch up his language. And, uh, and he, um, and, and so, but he always tries to come and speak with a southern drawl <laughs> in Florida. And he starts this you all stuff and everything. And we just laugh because it's ridiculously um, improper. <laughs> So, uh, praise God. Mark chapter 1. Two, ver two texts I'm going to take you to. Everything I'm going to say to you is going to come out of these texts. So I want to talk to you about what happens when we pray. What happens when we pray? You see, Jesus didn't just live for the crowd. Jesus lived doing his Father's will. We understand that. But Jesus lived out of intimacy with his father. When you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the life of the early church, they didn't always just run back. You see, they, we run back to prayer. I have, maybe not you. I've run back to prayer because I was empty, because I had a need. I had to go fill up. I, I had to get a hold of God. I'm, I'm, I'm out on a limb. I've gone out too far. And I've gotten myself in lots of trouble. And so I had to run back and, and like cry out and say, God, how are you going to get me out of this one? And the Lord over the last several years has shifted my prayer life, shifted my life, and started teaching me that I'm supposed to do all my living out of the secret place. All of my living out of his presence. All of my, all of my ministry from his presence rather than to it. It was A.W. Tozer who said that, that he's longing for the day when pastors would step down to their pulpit rather than step up talking about coming out of the presence of the Lord with a fresh word rather than being so busy with the people that they can't get a hold of God or last minute just trying to throw something together and say, God, please bless this mess that I'm about to offer today. <laughs> and a lot of the preaching has become like that because we haven't heard from God. We need to get back to the place of coming out. So we're looking at the life of Jesus here in Mark. And it says in verse 35, Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So they traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The context of this is Jesus just had this really powerful Holy Spirit filled service. If you look just before the text, you find that he's, I mean, he's doing all these things. Uh, verse 30, verse 32, the people all come together, the sick, the demon possessed. Verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door. Verse 34, Jesus heals many from various diseases. Demons are flying out of people. I mean, all this great revival is taking place. 
And, and so everyone goes to bed. Have you ever been in one of those services where God just moved in such power that you just... You, I'm a very passionate outward person. Okay, I, I don't apologize for that. It's just who I am. So you just have to get used to it. If you're around me, I'm just passionate, okay? I can, I can sell you anything I believe in or try to. I just, I just am. When I, I, we used to play this game uh, when I was a little kid, or my sisters did, jacks, right, with a ball, and you drop the thing and pick it up, okay? Okay, well, when I was a youth pastor, I got all the boys playing competitive jacks. I used to say, you can't, oh, yes, you could. And we were, passionately, we would just show up and play these games. I mean, just games that were, that nobody would ever, no boy in their life would ever play but because of passion. So, so I, I, I understand this, this passion. So when I go to bed after those nights in the presence of the Lord, something inside of me is like... <laughs> and so I'm sure the, the apostles, the, the disciples, they're watching Jesus. This is early on in the ministry. I mean, it's the first chapter of Mark. And suddenly this man, this God-man, who they've given their life to, is healing the sick, casting demons out. Or doing, I mean, did you see that? Peter, did you see? Whoa, look, what, look what happened. Did you see that guy? He came down as a crippled, and he carried his crutches home on his shoulder, and he went home. And so the talk was in the town. The whole town gathers at the door, and everybody's going, this has come to our city. Let's build a church. Let's do something here. The revival's about to break out. And they get up the next morning, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Start looking for him everywhere. Where'd he go? Where's, where is he? So Peter says, I'll find him, and he goes off and finds him, and there's Peter, off on the edge, climbed a mountain somewhere, got off in the, somewhere out in the woods somewhere, and he's, he's, uh, he's seeking um, God. In fact, he's praying, it says. And three things we get out of this text, and I'm going to take you to Acts and just add a few more. The first thing we see here is Jesus replies, right? Peter says, everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? We're in revival. Jesus said, let's leave this place and go somewhere else. What do you mean, leave this place? Did you see what happened last night? We're supposed to build a church. We're supposed to do ministry. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Father says we need to go somewhere else. Point number one, when we pray, we start to, we, we start to hear the voice of the Father above all the other voices that are in our lives. There's voices everywhere. You know there's people calling to you. There's things calling to you. There's both the dark world is calling. The light is calling. I mean, it's just calling. There's voices everywhere. Voice of, voice of, of hope. Uh, but there's also voices of shame, of defeat. There's, there's the old voices calling you back to sin. There's voices calling you to all kinds of stuff. Some of you in this room have the voice of worry just sitting on your shoulder calling to you saying, look here, look here, look here. Uh, one time we did a beach outreach. I live right on the coast. We were doing this beach outreach, and uh, we were going out. We went, we went out on a, on, a, on a very special holiday um, in, in our nation, and we, uh, we were celebrating that, that holiday, and we went out to preach on the beach. So we had these megaphones, and we were preaching and doing all this stuff. And, 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 and so all the, th there was a whole bunch of people that were trying to get us to look at other things. Like, especially, you know, you're on the beach, and not everybody's all, not all the girls are all dressed, you know, whatever. We had to go to where the needs were. But, but all the guys would come back, and everybody's going, look over here, look there, look there, trying constantly to get us off the focus. And there's voices that are calling you out of the plan and purposes of God for your life. There's voices of, of, that'll come, that'll bring hopelessness, voices of shame, voices of fear, I don't know if you've heard that one, but that one sometimes knocks on my door about 3 a.m. I roll over in the night, and suddenly they're coming to take me away. I start getting fear in my heart. I've had a few times in, in the past where I, where I had um, anxiety attacks. And it, th those are completely gone now, but they were very demonic and very, very strong, trying to pull me away, voices screaming at me. Jesus, when he went away to be with Abba, his father, as he sat with, with his father, father gave him a clear understanding of his will and purpose. When we pray, we start to hear the voice of God. 
We start to hear his voice. He starts to tell us what he wants concerning himself in our lives. We start to hear personal, the voice over us personally, over our families, over our, our, our homes and extended family, over the church and the ministry, over our nation over the world and the problems that are going on. And then God simply spoke to me. How do I pray from that? How do I do that? And he said, just simply hear what I say from heaven and repeat it. It's not that difficult. If you hear my voice, just say what I say into the situation. If you're alone with me, then hear that voice. So Jesus, Peter comes and says, everyone's looking for you. We all want to build a church. And Jesus said, no, no. Abba is saying, let's go over here. We have to leave. We need to hear his voice. Because of time, we're going to move on, because I got 84 points, okay? <laughs> see, you don't know me, so... Um, so, you see, so I, I get like this, everything I could ever have preached in my whole entire life, it's not repetitive to you, so see. <laughs> 34 years of full-time ministry, you're getting all in one fire hose. <laughs> Just open your mouth and take it all in. Secondly, he says, verse 38, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there. Second point, that is why I have come. Jesus gained in prayer the sense of his purpose and destiny. God reset purpose and destiny. I didn't come to build a church. I didn't come to, I, I'm an itinerant preacher. I've come to preach this word. We're going to go from village to house to place. We're not going to set in one place. He learned purpose and destiny. We already heard from this pulpit today, Psalm 139, quoted to you that God, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 tells us that, that all the days written were, were, that God had for us were already written in his book. God has a plan for us. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah was told that, that, that God had a plan for him. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the text. We put it on posters. We love to hang it up all over the place. That God says, I have a plan for you. Plan with a purpose. A, a plans to harm, to, to bring, not to harm you, but to do you good. God has a plan for our lives, a purpose for our lives. And when we pray, you see, our prayer life will come under attack. The single most thing that I'm facing with the people that I pastor and the city that I pastor, you see, because the calling at Hope Community in Titusville, if you ever come there, we're right at the Space Center. It's where the rockets go up. We, have, we are one of the only portals in the world where heaven and earth come together. And we're claiming that spiritually. But our, but our purpose at Hope is to host the presence of God in our community. We are hosting his presence. And the single foremost attack against us is, is against our prayer life. Against that very thing. Because the purpose and destiny of God is before me. And the warfare we're going through is, is, against, is trying to stop us from the purpose and plan of God for us. Individually and then also corporately. It's the same way in your life. If you stop praying, you'll start to drift away from the plan of God. Or you'll try to fulfill God's plan and purpose in your own strength or your own power. And you'll feel weak. You'll feel anemic. And you'll begin to back down because you won't be able to handle the warfare the enemy's attack against that thing and you'll back off and just become nominal. God is calling us to this place. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He knows that and he's drawing us to that place. Where, where I'm from, we, we do this, so I'm going to do this. If you just forgive me, it's what a guest can do. Uh, look at, over at your neighbor and say, God has a plan and purpose for you. Just look over in there in the eye. God has a plan and purpose for you. Aren't you glad for that? It's true. So Jesus says, this is why I've come. I, I, I got up this morning and there was a longing in my heart to be with my father. So as we sat together, he clearly showed me, and we're not staying here, I heard his voice, but I have a, I have a purpose, and it's that the, that the word would be preached all over the nation Israel, all over the land that I'm called to. So we're not going to set up shop. We need to be, some of us may need to be repurposed. Reset in the plan. Sit in the Father's presence. This, this week, 
God is going to bring purpose as we pray. During the watches, during the, the prayer time, we're hoping to stir you to the place where you can see not only is there personal destiny on your life, thank God for that, but you're part of a bigger plan for this entire community. You're part of something that God is doing, something that's bigger than all of us. And we're called to that. And we rise up and say, yes, Lord, let me fulfill your plan. Let me fulfill your purpose. Put me in the right place at the right time. And, and only as you can do. But all that happens because I, I've been in that place, sitting at the Father's feet, learning that, that I have purpose and destiny. It's not a matter of, oh, please let me know your will. Please let me know your will. I'm finding out more and more. As I learn to sit and worship, as I learn to give myself over to him, I get up and walk in the purposes of God. They just happen in front of me. I walk them out. Be, even Saul, you remember when the Holy Spirit came on Saul in the Old Testament, when the, the Spirit came on him, it, it says, Samuel the prophet said to him, at that point in your life, do whatever your hand finds you to do and do it with all your might. Why? Because you've stepped into the purposes of God. Thirdly, Verse 39, so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. When we pray, obviously, and this is one of the things we do know, we receive power for ministry. We receive power when we pray. There's life attached to every one of us. We live in an electronic age. We live in it. So there's power or electricity behind. We have it in our walls. We have it here. There's power brought to this building. It's brought there. You can have a, you want to recharge your phone. You want to plug in your laptop. You, you want to uh, shave your head, whatever it might be. Uh, so what, what, not everybody here is thinking that's a good one. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Whatever, whatever it is, we, we're so dependent upon the electricity, but it's already here. We just have to plug into it. There's, there's power there, but unless I take the cord and put it into the wall, that cord... That court, I cannot have power where I'm standing. But when I plug into there, the very thing that is in the walls that is brought here through the electrical companies and how it's all brought here and through the power plants that produce it and all those things, it's all brought to me. And when I plug in and I bring that cord here and when I put it here, whatever the, the, the electronic device comes to life because of the power that is flowing through it. And whatever is in that wall comes through the cord and comes out the other end. We are the cord between a dying world and a God who loves them deeply. We're that cord. You are that cord. There isn't a plan B for Bromley. Just like there's no plan B for Titusville. We are plan A. It's kind of scary, isn't it? That we are plan A. We're part of it. You're just part of a, a bigger picture, obviously. But what God is doing right here amongst you is he's bringing you to purpose. He's bringing you to destiny. But he said, there's no power. You're not going to have that power unless you hook up. You hook up to, the, to that place and, and let that flow through you. It was Smith Wigglesworth. Dear to my heart. I've read his life works it's, it's a couple times, actually. And uh, he said that, that the dynamo, the dynamo, his generation, electricity was, he said that dynamo that flows, the dynamo of God, as we attach ourselves to him spiritually, the very dynamo of heaven begins to flow. And that same power rises up inside of us and surges through us to a dying world. That's what God wants to do with you. You say, well, I'm weak. Well, not if you're plugged in. Oh, I just can't. Oh, yes, you can. You're plugged in. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. Yeah. 
and it brings life to my mortal body. It is a life-giving force. I have power inside of me. There is life inside of me. I can never, the word cannot is, or the word saying cannot or, or I can't, it's not, it's not in the language of heaven. God always has, he's, he gives power. So Jesus says here, so he went about, and what did he do? He continued teaching in their synagogues, driving out demons. The word of God spread through, through, through Jesus as he walked in this place as a result of prayer. In fact, as I've studied it through the book of Mark and through the book of Luke, I, had a, I come to a conclusion. Jesus lived from prayer life to prayer life prayer to prayer. He lived out of his prayer life. The night before he chose the disciples, he spent the night in prayer. Several other things happened when they came down from the mountain. Remember, he had this incredible experience. We, we, we have a, um, a leaders group on Sunday nights that we meet. We pray together, our leaders. And, and so we teach prayer altars and we built all this and our church is kind of built in a whole set of prayer, much like focal point. And we're doing prayer prayer meetings going on constantly, everything, because we're hosting his presence. So we're in our meeting, and uh, my son, who just came on staff with us at the church, was sitting there, and one of the people asked, said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have just spent one night with Jesus in prayer? What would that have been like? And my son, without hesitation, just blurted out, I thought, not bad. He, he must have learned it from me. <laughs> he said, he said, the Bible already tells us what happened to Jesus when he prayed all night. And I looked at him like, it does? <laughs> and he said, yeah, Mount of Transfiguration. He goes, how do we know that was a one-time thing? He goes, what if that happened all the time, but the disciples were invited just one time up the mountain? And I went, that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oh, my, that is good. Jesus encountered, you see, he lived this life in the Father's presence. So what does he do? He comes out of the Mount of Transfiguration, and there they have this demon-possessed boy. The other disciples, who were not praying all night, couldn't cast the demon out. And when they asked Jesus later why, he said, because these kind come out by prayer and fasting. And it doesn't mean that they, they said, just stay right here. I'm going to go pray and fast on the mountain for three days, and I'm going to come back and help you. It wasn't like that. It was a lifestyle of being shut in. I came out of the Father's presence, and this was easy for me. We think, oh, that's because he was the Son of God. No, he was, I don't want to get into the whole theology of it, but I believe Jesus did the miracles, the supernatural, as a man who lived by faith, and, and he was a prototype for us of the way we could be if we would sell out to Jesus in his fullness. Amen. So he showed us what it was like to live out of the Father's presence. So much of the prayer life that I've had in all my life has been me praying from earth to heaven, trying to get God to come down and help me. Oh, God, there's a need. I carry in a list of needs. Oh, it's longer than you can imagine. Oh, God, help me. Oh, please. I'm begging. I'm crying. I'm pleading. I want revival. Oh, God, come. And God said, would you come up and sit with me for a while? And if you come and sit up here with me from heavenly places, I'm going to look. You can look down from this place and see things from my perspective and then when I send you from my presence I will I not empower you enable you and give you all the tools and all the things necessary to, to release that on the earth where I send you of course he will you see God empowers us now go to the book of Acts we find the early church doing some of the same thing. I'm trying to stir you. I want you to sign up for prayer this week. I want to stir you in that private place. I want to stir you in the morning to, it used to be, I, I don't know. I, I just am at a place in my life right now where I, I, the jet lags got me a little bit messed up, but I, but I love to just early in the morning, just, I, I drive my family crazy because nobody in my house is a morning person, but me. It's a wonderful thing to get them back for what they did the night before as they kept me up. Now it's my turn to get them back as they're trying to sleep in. But I, I love because I wake up in the morning and like sometimes my eyes open and I went, he's waiting for me. And like I just, I just, I leap out of bed thinking I get to be with my heavenly father. I get assignment. I get to, 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 to hear his voice. 
and the things, as I've changed and transitioned and as I've pressed into him in that place, the things that he does now are incredible. It's so wonderful to watch what God will do out of that place. I don't have time to tell you all those things. These are just kind of rapid bullet points, but, but lives can be changed as we come out of this place. So the early church picked up on that. So when they're persecuted in Acts chapter 4 and they're told, they get a slap on the wrist and they're told never to speak anymore in the name of Jesus and they, they go home. What do they do? The only thing they knew to do, the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them, the only word in the Bible that says teach us to, they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. They didn't say, teach us how to cast out demons, teach us how to heal the sick, teach us how to do power, teach us the power gifts. No, they said, teach us to pray, because they knew that everything that he did came out of that prayer life. Everything he did came out of that, that, that encounter with the Father. He brought it to earth, and they said, we want the same thing. And Jesus says, as, I, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, in the like manner, in the same way. We've been sent, church, with that same thing, and so we better find our resource in him. Because it's not going to be done with intellectualism. You cannot win somebody to Christ anymore by just arguing intellectually. It just doesn't work. There's too much darkness behind it. There's just too much of the spiritual side. You can't just, you can love them, yes, but we've done, I've done a lot of love ministries, lots of them, and it's wonderful. Compassion is great. We need to continue all those things, but we need an empowerment so that not only do we give away, do we love, do we care for, but every touch is empowered with the presence of God. We teach this, that if you restock shelves at a grocery store, that's your job, and you're, you're, you restock those shelves, that every can that you place on there, that the presence and life of God, that you would do it so as you're working that night shift and putting up those cans of soup, everyone in Jesus' name, when someone comes and touches this can, let them experience the life and the presence of God. Let it go. Let it come. We, we teach that same thing. We, we've had people that have actually um, heard stories of people bringing mints to church. We used to have this thing we called... Um, um, I forgot the name of it. Anyway, it, it was a little station we had in, in the service, and people used to come and bring pictures of their loved ones and everything, and then every day, every service, we would turn and lay hands on that and believe for their salvation and their stuff. We had pictures and stuff. Well, people started bringing breath mints, bringing breath mints and laying them on there, and I thought, oh, that's really nice. I went over to get one. They said, no, 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 no. That isn't for you to have a breath mint. I'm, I want you to pray over my lifesavers. Because I'm going to bring them to work after they sit there for a month and we pray. I'm going to, put them to bring them to work and I'm going to sit it on my desk and every person who comes to my desk to get a lifesaver, I'm going to believe that the power of God is going to draw them in and give me opportunity to share the gospel with them. Oh, that's good stuff. You see, being out of the presence of God, we can even get innovative ideas things we normally don't do because we get what heaven is saying. So the early church prays in Acts 4 and in verse 30, 31. Look what happened after they prayed. And it says that after they prayed, prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. After they prayed, the place was shaken. Now, I would love to be in a meeting where the building shook. I would. I went away with two, three pastors last, last month. We went to pray for our city. We do this once or twice a year. We, we steal away for three days and pray over our city. We lead a large pastors gathering. We have about 30 to 40, average 35 maybe, pastors that meet every week in our city to pray for our city. And then we, the leaders, went off, and we just spent three days. And while we were praying three days, they were fixing the road, and they had a machine go by that shook the building. So we were in prayer, and the building shook. So I've experienced it. Not exactly this way, but we were joking about it, saying, this is an Acts experience. It says, the place where they were meeting was shaking. What does shaking take place? Well, it, to me, and I'll just explain how I feel like the Lord has, has shared this with me. When God comes on the scene... He reestablishes his authority. When God comes in, the authorities that are in control now are. And this was an authority issue. Are we going to obey God? Are we going to obey men? Are we going to be quiet? Are we going to move forward? Are we going to back down? Or are we going to step up against the authorities that are telling them to be quiet? And Jesus comes, or the presence of God, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and shakes the
the place. Remember that happened. We, we see the, the, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6, when, when Isaiah gets a glimpse of heaven, every time the angels say, holy, 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 it tells us that the pillars of, of, on, on the throne shake because what is it doing? It's establishing the authority of God and it shakes. All of heaven shakes and trembles under the fact that he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And so we see, they, they pray, oh God, open our mouths. In fact, it's funny because they pray the very thing they were told not to pray or to do. They said, you be quiet. They said, give us boldness. Don't do this anymore. God, give us power to do what they told us not to do. And the place was shaken. God reestablished authority to this early church. How does that equate to us? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Everything, when you begin to pray, everything gets messed up. Do you ever start praying and then everything go like wrong? You pray for some loved one, you're praying for something, and then all of a sudden it just everything goes opposite. And what do we do? We quit praying. We say, oh, can't do I have people that say, every time I pray, my whole family's a mess. I can't do it anymore. Don't you understand that God is reestablishing his order? God has to shake it if it's built by us. God has to shake what you're leaning on so you lean on him. God has to shake everything that isn't under his authority so that he can release his kingdom and his authority and bring it under his rule and reign. So when we begin to pray, everything starts to shake. I'm praying for my, my unsaved son, and he just seems gone from bad to worse. He was only doing recreational drugs. Now it's gone. No, keep crying out. Keep crying, because God is working. He is going to bring them, bring the situation under his authority. It takes a shaking. It takes a movement. He's got to take everything. Thing that, that is built on a foundation that can be broken, moved off of that. So what he establishes is eternal in the lives of the people and the places we're praying for. So the place where they were meeting was shaken. Oh, that's a dangerous prayer, but oh, great prayer. Shake us, God. Shake everything that isn't found in you. Shake everything I've built. As a pastor, I've prayed many times, everything I've built is a monument to me. Shake it so that the only thing left is unto you. And then half the people were gone. Everything went haywire. The associate pastor I had confessed to having an affair for a year and a half. The, uh, the young man that was the most fiery young man I've ever seen in my life suddenly went back to a life of drugs and his marriage spun out of control and he wound up in jail. Uh, all these things were going absolutely crazy. And the Lord said, I'm shaking foundation. You've built all this stuff up. You didn't even know it was all there, but it's built on a faulty foundation and will collapse unless if you want to see me come in all my weightiness, you want to see me move in your life, I'm going to have to shake it all. I'll shake. I'm not afraid to touch anything. And I had to come submissively, very humbly, and say, God, I didn't know what I was asking for when I asked you to shake. I, don't, I didn't know what I was asking. The last point is this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, and spoke the word of God boldly, but we already talked about the power for ministry. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What takes place when we pray? An exchange takes place. I exchange who I am for who he is. I exchange my ways for who his ways, and his ways are much better than mine. There's an exchange from heaven, and when God exchanges, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. Well, we use this word comforter, and we think that the comforter is just going to come like a... I mean, to me, a comforter is a little blanket you put on or you give to a little child um, to, to take care of them. It's not that kind of comfort. It means an advocate, someone who will work, fight for us, someone who will defend us, someone who will rise up inside of us. Because uh, So I, I think that we, 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 we think that the Holy Spirit is, is not going to, to work on our behalf. He is here to work strongly and boldly and with life and come to, to exercise God's justice on the earth. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
emptied of themselves, but filled with the Spirit of God. And that's God's plan for us when we pray. God's plan for you is that he would, real quickly, what, what, what are we saying here? I'm saying this, that as you pray, God will do his part bigger than that. He'll come and begin to work in your life. He'll begin to show you. He'll shut out all the other voices. You'll begin to hear his voice. He'll start to speak over you and bring you into your purpose and destiny. He will empower you by his spirit. The spirit of God will come upon you with his life. He will empower you for ministry. He'll empower you to do what you're called to do. And, and he, will, he will very, very clearly and very, very powerfully shake everything that isn't of him so that his kingdom can be established in you and then through you. That's what happens when we pray. That's what happens when we pray. We're going to make a commitment as we close out. We're going to pray for those who are sick in a minute, but first and foremost, I'm just going to bring you to a, we're at a spot, a crossroads, a commitment to say, God, draw me in, in my prayer life. This is a great week for that to be fulfilled. This is a great week for you to sign up and be a part of it. But maybe you can't be here. Maybe there's a work schedule. Maybe there's travel. Maybe there's things. So it's, it's not just, okay, for 36 hours, I'm going to sign up for a three-hour slot. But maybe it's, there's someone here that would say, Pastor Roger, I, I want to step up into a place and commit myself to seek the Lord, a prayer life, a place. He has to do it. He has to draw you in. But I want to pray a prayer over you, just a prayer of release. But if that's you, just stand where you are and say, you know what, I, I want that in my life. I want to make a commitment. I want to, I want to, I want to be drawn in. I'm going to yield myself to the Spirit and say, God, draw me in. Just stand where you are. Holy Spirit, you see everyone who's standing here. You know our lives. You know the good, the bad. You know the stuff. You know the obstacles to our prayer life. You know the things that hinder us and keep us from pressing into you. You know those things. You know what it is. You know, Lord, the voices. You know the, the things that are trying to pull me away from, from your plan. You know, Lord, what I'm afraid you might shake in my life if I really come. But this is, so this is a dangerous prayer, and, 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 and Lord, we all know that, but we come to you, Lord, with, with understanding that, that, Lord, you are loving and kind and gentle, and you're a good Father. And so I pray for each one that's here, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would draw in by your Spirit into a place of prayer. You would draw us in, that something would be released over this place. Uh, uh, Lord, something supernatural that would, that would put a desire in us to be with you, a desire for prayer, a desire to, to be intimate in relationship with our Heavenly Father, not the formality, not just the, the memorized things we know, not just the, um, the, a plan, but Lord, really the deepening of relationship so that we, your children, could be with our heavenly Father, you, Abba, our greatest and foremost love. Lord, I, I release that here in Jesus' name. I pray that, that this week something would happen here and this church would go to a new level, a place in prayer. And individually and then corporately, something would happen, Lord. And there would be that life, direction, empowerment. There would be, Lord, a release of the Spirit. There would be purpose and destiny. There would be one voice heralded over this place. And it's the voice that this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And that, Lord, your purposes would be seen. We release that here over every individual. We release it corporately over this body, over this place. And let this city, let this community be, be brought into a place of transformation transformation as a result. And Lord, for those who are afraid because of the shaking that's taking place in their life through prayer, I pray for a special peace. And I pray that that which you're shaking, that we would have the courage not to touch it, but to let you continue to shake. Lord, we're not going to touch it. We're going to let you shake it. 
And we thank you because you're establishing your firm foundation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, real quickly, if you're one of those ones that need prayer physically, and you say, you know what, I, I just need, I need a touch from the Lord today. I need a healing. I need something from the Lord. Could you quickly just come and stand here, just quickly? I'm going to believe God to release that over this place. He's here. He's here. We're in his presence. One of the things that God is, is God is a healer. He is a healer. In fact, his name is Jehovah Rapha, right? The Lord, our healer. It's in the nature of God. He reveals himself through his name and it's in the nature of God to bring healing. He created us and he is a healer. And I believe that God is able to do exceedingly more than we could even imagine and think. Scripture says that, but we need to latch onto that and believe that God will do this. Our team from, from Florida, if you can just come and stand in behind these, please, and just assist me, that would be wonderful. We're going to just release healing here. We're going to release a healing. We're going to release healing. I declare in this house, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is our healer. He's the healer. He is the healer. There's healing here. <laughs>